Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, the first official practice of the week and the first one post-bye week. What we see, who did we see? Sometimes that's more important. We also begin to look ahead of the matchup with the Bears and given the weather forecast for Sunday, while the Cardinals' running game may be key. But first, Kyler speaks. We listen. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 502, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Hopeful. We've heard that word used a lot over the past several weeks, and I think for the first time we heard that word uttered by Kyler Murray on Wednesday. Hopeful when asked if he thought he could play on Sunday. So I'll be hopeful as well, MJ. Yeah, and, you know, before the, uh, I guess, the Seattle game, you know, he was out there and, you know, obviously limited. And, you know, by Saturday or Sunday, he kind of figured out, okay, uh, they're going to hold him out through the bye week and Colt's going to play. And obviously they benefited from him coming and win two out of three games. But I think now that you get past the bye week and these guys have had some downtime and, you know, during the open portion of practice, it looked like he was moving fine just on his throwing drills and stuff like that. So, uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic, and uh, I think it's time, and I think he's ready to go. Of course, we were optimistic ahead of the Seattle game. At least I was, based off the fact that he practiced limited Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Limited again on Wednesday, but five straight practices now. Kyler Murray has done something on the football field. Doesn't matter until we see it on game day, though. Yeah, and, and – also, DeAndre Hopkins is out there. I know the conversation about Kyler Murray, it's, it's it's just, I think it's time. I mean, these guys realize what's at stake, and there's no throwaway games in the NFL. I mean, the Bears, uh, they were on a losing streak. They went on Thanksgiving. They feel like, hey, we're still in the race, whether it's for a wild card or not, or trying to save their season. So, yeah, I just like where the Cardinals are and, you know, getting your five-star players back and the way that the defense has really stepped up after the Carolina game, I'm encouraged that this team can go on a run. All right, you brought up D-Hop. He was on the practice field on Wednesday. Noticed during the open portion, seemed to be moving around fine. Of course, a week ago, two weeks ago, Kyler Murray seemed to be moving around fine ahead of the Seattle game. But Hopkins on the practice field on Wednesdays. Typically, we don't see that. First and foremost, though, and... Credit at Cards Chatter, Darren Urban, azcardinals.com. First practice for DeAndre Hopkins since before the Texans game, which was October 24th. Hopkins that week practiced Thursday and Friday, did not practice again, did play against the Green Bay Packers. But Wednesday, December 1st, the first time on the practice field since October 22nd. That is correct. I went back and looked it up. It was interesting because, you know, usually you see the guys uh, as they do their pre-stretching and they have offense on one side and defense on the other. And, and Hop came out a little bit, uh, you know, after it started, which is fine. It's a Wednesday. And the first guy to give him a bear hug, Chandler Jones. Welcome back. And, you know, I said the other day it gives him a spark. Obviously the locker room knew what was going on. But just to see him on the field and, you know, he looked like he was moving fine and, 
you know, I think there's, it's important for these guys to practice, um, get in football shape. Um, but a lot of people are wondering, you know, is Kyler going to be out of sync? And he, he kind of d- downplayed his – I know the system. Yeah, we're going to go out there and see what we can do. But I don't think there should be any issue of, you know, just plug and play when it comes to Kyler Murray in this offense. I mean, the offense has been set. Um, they, you know, they have the players, and now you get these guys back. Uh, sky's the limit, in my opinion. The timing, maybe that – the rhythm, just kind of getting back into the flow. How long does that take? No snaps, the first quarter, second quarter. That, I think, was what the line of questioning on Wednesday had to do because when you miss a month, I mean, it's going to be 38 days for Kyler Murray between starts. That's a long layoff, and I do think it's going to play a factor. The question is how much of a factor. Yeah, and and they touched on it, and, you know, without stating the obvious is, you know, this team would like to get off to a good start. And that means we're going to, as I pointed out on the Red Sea report, those first couple of possessions offensively is going to be interesting. Now, um, we'll get into the weather, how that plays a factor. We've, we're probably going to get into it on Friday. I, actually, we will when it comes to running the football. Again, no Chase Edmonds, no Jonathan Ward, but between Connor and, and Eno Benjamin, um, and if they want to bring in an extra lineman, that, that's going to be the focus. Start off and you take a little pressure off where you're not coming out and throwing on the th- first three down. So I, I, that's something I'm going to look for the first couple possessions. And then obviously the defense, how they approach stopping the Bears. Quoting head coach Cliff Kingsbury about Hopkins, even though he might not be 100%, still better than most wide receivers at 100%. Quote, if he can go, he'll give us what he's got, end quote. And that's exactly what he did on the Thursday night game against the Green Bay Packers. Just his presence alone will mean something to not only this football team, but opposing defenses. You see number 10 walk on that football field, even if he's quote-unquote a decoy, you have to account for his whereabouts. Yeah, and, and, and again, I go back to the Packers game, and maybe it was just a small sample. He only played 15 snaps. He obviously had that big pass. I think it was for 55 yards, and then he got the face max penalty, and then he kind of put himself in the game. But, you know, that next game, we didn't see a whole lot of separation. I think guys were just waiting for another guy to make a play. So, you know, he's been really effective in the red zone. Um, he still leads the team at the wide receiver position in touchdowns, regardless of how many games he's played. So uh, I just think, you know, um, this offense, uh, you know, when they're rolling, they're rolling. And he's a big part of that because you can't really double him now with Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, even Connor coming out of the backfield and a big A.J. Green target. And we haven't even mentioned Zach Ertz. So uh, pick your poison there. And that's why I like the Cardinals. Uh, when it comes to distributing the football, I think, you know, the first six or seven games, you and I would talk about on the postgame show, six and seven guys were targeted. It wasn't just one guy. Where we go back to last year uh, in week one, tar- uh, he was targeted 16 times. He had 14 catches. So it, the whole idea was to bring in more talent around him. Kirk obviously stayed healthy so far, bringing A.J. Green, drafting Rondell Moore, and then James Conner just been a huge addition to this team. Yeah, the number of targets that DeAndre Hopkins received last season versus compared to this season, I mean, that's <laughs> where the improvement has come. I mean, 160 targets for Hop a year ago, second most in the National Football League. And then the next best as far as Cardinals wide receivers was Christian Kirk. And there was a huge drop-off between number one and number two. Kirk, 79 targets. I mean, 160 to 79. That is a gap that was way too large and something that the Cardinals worked on correcting this offseason, the addition of A.J. Green, the drafting of Rondell Moore. So you see some more 
equal distribution, a little bit better balance when it comes to who Kyler Murray is looking across the football field, whether it's to the left, to the right, or underneath when it comes to the tight end or running back. Well, and, you know, our former colleague, Kyle Odegaard, said, you know, I want to see him put up 1,400 yards. And I'm like, that's great. But he only had six touchdowns. And that was last year, 115 catches, 1,407 yards, 12.2, long with 60. He had six touchdowns. Fast forward to this year, we're talking more about um, quality versus quantity. And you look this year, 35 receptions, 486 yards, averaging close to 14 yards a pop, as long as 55, and he has a seven touchdowns. So, again, Maybe you're not utilizing it like you do. You don't have to because you got so many weapons. And Kyler, I think the biggest thing is he's able to go through his progressions and make decisions from inside the pocket. Where before, first read, uh, okay, who's next, and then improvise and get out of the pocket. Where you don't let the receivers, you know, run their routes, and then you got to come back for the ball, and it's kind of kamikaze at that point. It's more of what we expect out of an offense with a veteran quarterback. Yes, it's year three, but it's year three in the same system for Kyler Murray, and I think we're seeing a little bit better rhythm and some normalcy with the offense overall. Some other good news with respects to Wednesday's practice, the first official practice of the week, and the first practice. Post by week, by the way, Kingsbury said he saw good energy, good juice amongst all the players. We'll see how that translates out onto the football field. Remember the Cardinals 0-2 under Kingsbury after the bye week. But back on the practice field, Max Garcia. We saw him exit that Seattle game. Was it an Achilles? Don't know uh, exactly what was bothering him then, but he did not finish that game against the Seattle Seahawks. Justin Pugh was spotted doing some light work on the side. He'll be listed as a game-day decision, see how he progresses throughout the week. But no Rodney Hudson, no Kelvin Beach, and my guess, veteran days off for those two. But if you can get those four players, along with D.J. Humphreys, together again, your five best offensive linemen. They weren't the five that began the season, but your five best offensive linemen to date here entering Week 13 then, yeah, this team is getting healthy and hopefully can use these final six games to continue where they left off ahead of the game against the Seahawks. Yeah, and we, we talk about this sixth game, and obviously the team is going to take a one-game approach, which they've done all year, and I think it's working. Um, but at the same time, though, you know, Josh Jones got valuable reps. Sean Harlow got valuable reps. So at least you got some guys where you're not going to the bottom of the roster saying, okay, we're hoping you can play well. The fact that Harlow got a ton of reps in training camp when Pugh was out at left guard playing next to Hudson and Humphreys. And Josh Jones started the season. He's got some flexibility, could play guard or tackle. And that just gives you some, uh, you know, some confidence going to a game where if something does happen, you have some guys that have experience. Some other news and notes with respects to practice on Wednesday. As we noted, Rashard Lawrence designated to return, so that window opened for him to officially practice, and he was on the practice field on Wednesday. He's been out since November 6th with a calf injury, but he seemed to be moving fine whether he gets activated this week or not. It does add some depth at that offensive line. Jordan Phillips, Corey Peters, Zach Allen, Michael Dogby, Zach Kern, Lucky Fotu, those are your six. Can you add a seventh, or do you even keep seven if Rashard Lawrence is able to go this week? But that defensive line rotation, it's in and out. Yeah, you lose a J.J. Watt, but it is something that this team likes to keep bodies fresh, not just for the entire game, but the entire season. That's been the 
M.O. of the defensive line. Yeah, and, and Zach Allen talked to the media on Tuesday, and he, he brought that up. Just getting Rashard Lawrence back, he said, you know, you know, everyone has a role. Everyone kind of has an idea going into the game based on down and distance, which your snap count's going to be, so they're keeping them fresh. And ideally, you want to do that throughout the season. Now, some guys may have to play a little bit more in these close games, but the whole idea is they feel comfortable when they roll in Michael Dogby or Lucky Fotu or even Josh Morrow. Now, clearly, you want to have your starters out there, Jordan Phillips, Richard Lawrence, Corey Peters. Um, and so I, I like the fact that they can rotate guys. And, again, those guys have experience. It's not like, again, you're going to a practice squad guy. Morrow was on the practice squad, but he's, he's had a couple different stints with the Cardinals, fairly familiar with Vance Joseph's defense, and obviously he's well aware of Princeton Buckner, how he coaches his guys. We bring up J.J. Watt, and for the first time that I can remember, at least since the injury, we've seen him on game day, but now seeing him on the practice field doing some conditioning work out on the side, Kingsbury was asked about it, quote, you can't count him out, he's a machine, end quote. I'd be very surprised if we saw number 99 before the end of the regular season. Now, postseason, that's a different story, and I know there's a lot of optimism, but I'll believe it when I see it, regardless of Watt's history of coming back from serious injury. Yeah, and the other one was a pectoral muscle. This was completely different, so uh, again, I wouldn't rule him out. Now the question becomes, you know, when does he get cleared by the medical staff? I mean, if the Cardinals can somehow clinch by winning the next three games or, you know, obviously trying to win as many games in the next four, I don't think you would bring him back for week 18 against the Seahawks. To me, that's, you know, not rushing him back, but I don't think that's ideal. You're you're trying to get him back for the postseason. If it's this team can get a bye, I mean, just having him on the field. I mean, what? and again, we talked about the rotation, and he'd have to get into football shape, but we know this guy's, you know, when you break the huddle, you have to ID where number 99 is. So I just think, you know, when it comes to eye candy, but, you know, we'll wait and see. But I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged that he's out there, and we know at the end of the day this guy wants to play. He wants to help this team because he was a big part of how this team started in Tennessee that day. Uh, even though he was kind of learning a new position. And then as the season progressed, weeks three, four, and five, he really started playing well. And to me, it just adds more talent on that defensive line where these linebackers can come up and scoop and get to the quarterback. Now, the timing of all of this here earlier on Wednesday is interesting because everyone likes to read into things, certainly reading into social media, what gets posted, what gets tweeted. Well, following noticing J.J. Watt on the practice field during the open portion and Kingsbury being asked about J.J. Watt, this tweet from J.J. Watt, quote, only those who attempt the absurd can achieve the impossible. Albert Einstein. That was the tweet from J.J. Watt about 30 minutes after the team got off the practice field. Now, do we connect the dots and say J.J. Watt is talking about himself and coming back from this serious injury? Or is that just J.J. Watt, I don't know, liked the quote and decided to tweet about it? Well, um, <laughs> clearly he's on. he was on social media, so he probably read that he was out there working on the side, and then Kingsbury addressed it. So it was just great timing on his part. I think he's saying that don't count me out. Um, there's nothing that I can't do. Now he's going to listen to the medical staff, but 
if there's a will, there's a way with J.J. Watt getting back on the field. All right, so we'll hold out hope here on December 1st that we do see J.J. Watt at some point before the conclusion of the 2021 season, and that's including postseason, which will bleed into 2022. Also working out on the side, Aaron Brewer, the long snapper. He's on injured reserve. He'll need to miss at least one more game. There is some hope that he'll be able to return, as will Chase Edmonds, as far as that game against the Rams on Monday Night Football. So, some guys getting healthier. Rashard Lawrence, Aaron Brewer, Chase Edmonds, Tanner Vallejo perhaps before the end of the regular season. But that's big because you want to get healthier, not lose bodies as the season continues. Yeah, and we only focus on the long snapper when the you know the holder or the kicker misses it because they don't have the same you know connection. So hopefully they can get through with one more game and Aaron Brewer's been in the league a long time, and, and there's a great relationship between him and Andy Lee and obviously uh, Matt Prater, and it goes back to Jeff Rogers. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was still wondering, is it a left or right arm? Because you're talking about a forearm. He fractured it, and the fact that he's able to come back. But it's it that's great news because you don't want to have those mishaps, um, whether it's in a, a close game in the regular season, let alone in the postseason, because that, that is a, a unit to where – it could come down to a huge kick from Prater. And the fact that Andy Lee's been here with Aaron Brewer, that can go a long way when it comes to making a pressure kick in the fourth quarter. And it sounds like Bo Brinkley will be elevated from the practice squad once again for a second straight game. He's on the practice squad, protected one of the four players the Cardinals protected this week. So maybe one more week before we see Aaron Brewer back on the field. And, MJ, this is – I feel for Jonathan Ward because I think he was going to be back this week, but he landed on the reserve COVID-19 list. How long he'll be out, he's already been missing time because of a concussion, but uh, someone that we've talked about repeatedly on special teams, and we'd love to see him get the opportunity running the football, and I think he would have with Chase Edmonds on the sidelines. But going into this week, you've got James Conner, Eno Benjamin, and Tavian Feaster, who likely will be elevated off the practice squad again. He's been bouncing around active uh, off the uh, off the active roster, added to the practice squad, released. So it's been an interesting several weeks, several months for Tavian Feaster. But right now, the Cardinals with two running backs on the active roster, three overall when you look and count the practice squad. Yeah, I, I got to think. You know, uh, James Conner said he feels well. He's refreshed uh, coming off the bye week, and you know, obviously not taking those hits like he has. So. I would try to lean on him and then change the pace back would be Eno Benjamin. And if you get in the fourth quarter, and again, I'm not saying they're going to blow out the Bears, but if you get in the fourth quarter, five, six minutes left in the game, Feaster would be a guy so you can kind of protect James Conner until um, chasing him going to be that one-two punch. I feel for Jonathan Ward, and it sounds like Kingsbury said he was disappointed what happened. Um, so that obviously when you're off and then you're having Thanksgiving and everything else, but good news um, he is getting healthy, and they were prepared for him to come back this week. But, again, that only helps the team to get through this game and then obviously start to tee up against the Rams on Monday Night Football. And talking about that running back position is going to lead us into our next discussion here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, though, Bird Gang, Pro Bowl voting underway. NFL.com slash Pro Bowl votes. Voting runs through December 16th. Send your favorite Cardinals player to Las Vegas. The game Sunday, February 6th at Allegiant Stadium. 
Kyler Murray, James Conner, Rodney Hudson, DJ Humphreys, Marcus Golden, Byron Murphy, Buda Baker, any number of Cardinals players, offense and defense, well-deserving of a Pro Bowl nod considering their nine wins so far this season. But when we talk about this matchup here, and by the way, it is December 1st, December football, and that's kind of, well, that's not so much in Arizona where the weather changes, although it is a little bit chillier in the morning but December football we turn the page for these final six games four in December two in January but now now will be interested to see what kind of a Cardinals team we do see forget post bye week but just playing in December having that number one seed attached to their backs well I think for any team you know we always say take 25 percent of the season this year it's a little bit uh, because there are 17 games versus 16 games and then you kind of evaluate, okay, how do we do in the first four? Uh, I would think wins and losses matter, but what, what are our strengths and weaknesses? And then you get to weeks, you know, six to eight. And all of a sudden, okay, this is what works and this doesn't work. Now, to me, when you get to this time of the year and they're going to f- face their first, not in climate weather, but their first weather game where they got to be outside. So I think when you get to December football, Craig, I think you stick what works. And I think teams – Maybe they are not able to throw the ball like they did in the first month of the season because it's so nice outside. And, you know, obviously you, you got a new toy and you want to show it off. It's like Christmas morning. But here I think it's more of a physical game. Um, protect the ball. And, and some teams are going to be a little more conserved. Not that Kingsbury is going to be conserved because the Cardinals, you know, they're they're in a good spot right now. But if a team is five and six, you know, do I go for it on fourth down? Do I trust my defense here? So I think coaching changes a little bit to where – we're not trying to score 40 points today. Uh, you know, we're not trying to get a guy to catch because he's got X amount. Of, I think it changes from a coaching perspective, knowing going into each game, this is what we have to do. This is how many points we have to go, score and if we can allow these amount of points. So I think it totally changes from the mindset, and the players know what's at stake. Week one, week two, all right, let's get off to a good start. Yeah, okay, um, we got a long ways to go. But here now, we know what this team can do on offense and defense and special teams. So I think teams get a little more conservative. Not that Kingsbury, he's going to stick to his guns here, but I'm just saying um, the beauty of having James Conner and when uh, Chase comes back, you get a lead in the fourth quarter, you're going to pound the football. You're not going to be cute to where, hey, let's score another touchdown three-possession game. You'll you'll deal with a game that's 14 points versus 10 because now they got to get two touchdowns. Does it make sense? Style points. Yes. Doesn't right. matter. Right. You don't need those now. It doesn't matter how it looks. Great, great analogy. All you need is one more point than your opponent and walk off that field with, a number, with another W so you make sure you maintain first place in the division, the top seed, or, again, I still focus on the division until it's no longer a focus, and then you can start playing and figuring out how to get that number one seed. But, yeah, it's that 30-point, 400-yard mark that we consistently talked about in September and October. Maybe it's maybe it's 20 points, or maybe it's just 10 points. And games are going to change depending on opponent and depending on weather conditions, and weather is going to be a factor this week. Now it's Wednesday, talking about a game on Sunday, but according to weather.com, Forecast calls for cloudy skies, 45 degrees, winds 20 miles per hour or up to 20 miles per hour, but a 50% chance of rain. Now, look, it was cold in Seattle. It was 45 degrees at kickoff in Seattle. 
It's going to be 45 degrees or colder in Chicago, but it's the rain. That is something that Kyler Murray doesn't care about the cold, but he said, I hope it doesn't rain because when the ball gets slip, slip, slippery, it's a little bit more difficult to throw. It's a little bit more difficult to hang on to. Yeah, and, and, and they did have some rain in, in Seattle. It looked like it rained all all morning, and, and then it was drizzling, not to where it was sleek because it wasn't that cold. And you got to assume that because they are close to the ocean there. Here you get the the windy city in the in that in, in the in, in, I don't know if it's a meadowlands where you're swirling, but if you get 18 to 20 mile an hour winds, it's difficult to throw the ball 15 to 25 yards down the field. Now you you can you can obviously do a quick slam pass, you know where you can put some some zip on it, but. Yeah, I mean, it. Listen, all these guys have played in rain. Um, they've played in cold weather. Um, you know, uh, they know what's at stake here. I mean, the, 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 both teams has to play with it. Now you're going to say, well, the Bears probably practicing it more. Again, um, these guys uh, played football in high school. They played in college. Uh, some went to uh, you know warm weather cities, but at some point you're going to have to play outdoors. And uh, luckily for us, this is only quote cold weather game when the schedule came out. You look, and it's the only game that you really have to deal with the elements because the Rams, State Farm Stadium, you're indoors. At Detroit, Ford Field, you're indoors. Indianapolis, that's another home game, indoors. Cowboys, indoors. Seattle, that is another home game, you're indoors. So this is the last time the Cardinals can go out on the football field unless they open the roof, I get it. But you walk out, and you can look up, and you're not seeing lights, you're seeing the skies now. What's what kind of sky are you are you looking at? Well, what's it, coming down at you is would be the something that I would be concerned with. Okay, kickoff is eleven our time, is so that's noon there. Um, it's probably going to be just like you know drizzle, and you'll have its clouds, and then maybe by the I don't know, it gets early uh, back east a little bit earlier than here. Um, so it'll be dark, and it'll be cloudy, and it'll be an overcast. Um, but you know that's football. I mean, it's really football weather. You know, what take away the rain. But yeah, I mean, like I said, both teams have to adapt to it, and uh, that there should be no excuse about the weather when we, when you look at this game. And I like how you say adapt. Now, which team can adapt better? Which team is more prepared? Which team is more familiar? You can practice it all you want, but once the game starts, it's yep. a little bit different. That's where the Bears have the advantage working out of that stuff every single day cardinals don't you can manufacture it out on the practice field but that's a little different now how much rain and all that will get closer as far as what the forecast is once we get closer to kickoff but it is something for the first time this season that we're focusing on here on cardinals cover two yeah and and sometimes you you can have a bucket of uh, water and then you get the wet ball because the ball is going to get heavy now they usually have a guy that stands over the ball they have a guy on the sidelines that he has a little pouch in him the referee will have a you'll have a towel in front of him um, so but you can practice throwing the wet ball the thing is it, it, hopefully from the league standpoint they can get the balls in and out um, some quarterbacks prefer the, the same ball the entire drive or the entire game but uh, the ball can get a little heavy there and, and and again if it's a downpour that will happen but the Cardinals can work on the wet ball by just getting a bucket drop it in there again you're not going to get a fire hose or have the fire department come up here and, and go up the, in the in the scissors and, and, and spray the field. I mean, you're not going to do that, but there's ways you can get around it. Now, Kingsbury was asked about 
whether factoring in DeAndre Hopkins's availability, the cold weather, the wet stuff, and he kind of didn't really dismiss it, but it was more about Hopkins's health, not what the weather is going to be or the field conditions. Although I, I do think if you walk out on a football field and if it's not great, and this would even apply to Kyler Murray to a certain extent, you have to start thinking about that, especially coming off a long layoff. If it means another week because you don't want to take chances, I get it, but I fully expect both Kyler and DeHop to be on the field Sunday. Yeah, and just in a brief, uh, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, Hop was, he looked fine to me. I mean, he was bouncing around. He was excited. He was going from drill to drill. He was running. He was running routes during the open portion. My thing is, some of these guys may have to go out to the you know, pregame warm-ups, you know, some guys go out there as individuals listening to their heads, uh, music, and then they have the position groups that come out, which we get a chance to show you on live looking from the sidelines. I would think some guys are going to come out early just to test, you know, what's the weather like, you know, when it comes to Matt Prater, am I good from here versus the other side? And then uh, I assume the benches are going to have warmers on them. So those guys, and, and, and if you got a hamstring injury, that, that heat coming from the bench is really going to feel good for the back of your uh, your legs. So I, I just think guys are going to come out and, and test and see, you know, what can I get away with, what cleats do I use, etc. I'm glad you brought up the kicking game as well as far as punting, kicking, snapping, holding, all of that might come into play this Sunday when the Cardinals visit the Bears at Soldier Field. 11 a.m. is the kickoff. 6.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Now, if weather is a factor, how much does that factor into the offensive play calling and what we see out of this offense? Do we see more James Conner, more Eno Benjamin? Looking at the numbers, this is a defense, talking about the Bears, that you can run on. They rank number 22 against the run. They were very good last week against the Lions, but during their five-game losing streak, they allowed four and a half yards per carry. When they hold teams under 80 rushing yards, they win more times than not. They're 4-1. That 80 yards is the benchmark when you talk about the Bears defensively and what they do and holding opponents as far as a ground attack is concerned. But when you look at weather and you look at the Bears defensively, I know it's not what Kingsbury wants to do, but there is a loud voice in there named Sean Kugler, James Saxon as well, that can say, hey, we think we have an advantage running the football a little bit more than we typically do, although the Cardinals do run the ball a lot. I would not be surprised to see a lot of James Conner, Eno Benjamin, maybe even a Tavian Feaster or Rondell Moore, someone that can certainly take the ball out of the backfield. I think if, 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 if weather is an issue throwing the ball because of the wind, they still can throw the, the quick screen pass to Rondell Moore. High percentage throws. Get rid of it. You know, you have Zach Ertz go seven yard in and in, in, in or out, quick throw. You may have to go on some methodical 9, 10, 11 play drives. You like to get a big chunk of yards. Um, but there's different ways if you can't throw the ball down the field or the footing isn't good where receivers, they're slipping and they can't come back to the ball. You just get rid of the ball quick. He's done that. And you have to dink and dunk sometimes, and then if they want to, you know, load the box up for the run, that's when you take a shot down the field. So I, I think they'll, they'll make adjustments, but maybe you just don't see the down the field passes initially. Let's just methodically go down the field, whether we run the ball, get in third and short. Now we can obviously make a decision: are we going to pass or run? Take a page out of what Colt McCoy yes was able to do. Take what the defense gives you, and that was something that Kyler was asked about. 
watching those three games from the sidelines in a different perspective? Did he learn anything? He doesn't have to be the hero every single snap. He can allow his teammates, the 10 of the guys on the football field, to do their job, get the ball out quickly. It doesn't matter how long it takes as long as you're finding your way into the end zone. Yeah, and, and if we go back to the San Francisco game, they he – I mean – Kyler and him admitted that that's the best front four they've played. Kyler said that after the first outing, and and that game was a little bit closer. Um, but when you look at the game that Colt McCoy started against the 49ers, they, they brought a lot of pressure, and so he got rid of the ball. But I really like the game plan where he would allow them to rush, bait, bait, and then they had a guy in the flat screen. And they really, and that's when James Conner and even other guys were getting yards after catch, where it wasn't just a screen pass for a four-yard gain uh, before the sticks. No, so that's that. Colt did a great job with that, and you can almost say he did a great job against Seattle. He won two road games, division games on the road, and so that could be the recipe again. If if the defense wants to be aggressive, then you want to slow him down. You can do the draw play. Or you can do a quick screen game to where now all of a sudden they got four or six guys coming at the quarterback, and all of a sudden now you got a guy in the flat. So I like the game plan they went with Colt, and if they if if the weather's a factor again, they'll find ways to get the ball in their playmakers' hands. Well, and how many times have you said some of those quick screens, the short passes, that's like a run play in this offense. There are high percentage throws. I mean, sometimes Kyler doesn't get credit for the pass. It's more of a run because it's behind the line of scrimmage. But Rondell Moore is a prime example. Look at has yards after catch. He leads a team in yards after catch. So, to me, there's a high percentage extended run plays. So where, I mean, the quarterback would really have to throw the ball in the dirt or he's getting hit and he can't make the throw. It's almost like it's handing it off. And here it's more of a five- to seven-yard pass. And to me, it's a high percentage throw. You trust your receiver, he, and he gets the ball. And if your wide receivers can block a little bit, all of a sudden that becomes a six-yard throw to a 15-yard gain. And they're doing all of this regardless of what formation is out on the football field. The Cardinals are running the ball. We chronicled this earlier in the week here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals offensively are running the ball 47% of the time. They rank 10th in rushing and average nearly 31 rushing attempts per game. That is the fourth best total in all of the National Football League. And yes, there is that narrative still about the air raid system. But personnel, and I'll credit Warren Sharp football stats because this does a deep dive as far as what is a personnel, 10, 11, 12, one running back, two running back, how many tight ends on the football field, and we always hear 10 personnel, 11 personnel because Kingsbury likes to spread it out, get as many wide receivers on the football field as possible. Cardinals, MJ, running the ball very, very well out of 10 personnel, almost six yards per carry compared to 4.4 out of 11 personnel. You can look at these stats any way you want. The bottom line is the Cardinals have shown this season in year three that they can run the ball, run the ball effectively, regardless if it's four wide receivers, three wide receivers, one tight end, two tight end. In other words, Cliff Kingsbury has figured things out as far as what works under his system to the National Football League. I'm shocked. Out of 10 personnel, wow, that's impressive. But that, Again, you're spreading teams out. And the way that James Conner was running and, and, and um, Chase Edmonds, I mean, 
yeah, it doesn't mean they're always going to throw it when you run 10 personnel. You're spreading the team out. You're using the entire field, 53 and a third yard. And then all of a sudden you got big holes. And the offense line's done a good job protecting Murray. He's not taking the sacks. And then these guys can get to that second layer. So that, that I, if you, I, I never would have guessed that. 10 personnel averaging 5.8 yards per carry. And to me, that's on film. So teams got to defend that. Well, you don't want to be predictable. Yeah. And when you have four or five wide receivers on the football field, now five wide is a little different. But when you have four wide receivers on the football field, obviously the defense is they're going to be up for the pass. You're expecting that. Well, the Cardinals are showing that, hey, we can still run the ball here. And again, these numbers, courtesy Warren Sharp Football Stats, who does a deep dive as far as how teams line up. And you can line up, but the Cardinals aren't tipping their hand when they're line up. That's the biggest that I got out of this here through 11 games. No matter what personnel runs out on the football field, they have shown the ability, yeah, we might pass, we might run it, we might check it at the line of scrimmage, and that's the unpredictable nature and keeping defenses honest. That's why I think the Cardinals right now are enjoying so much success in the win-loss column. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they're running the ball 40% of the time, and you know how I feel about 30 rushes per game. Obviously, you know, you're not going to run the ball in the fourth quarter if you're trailing by two possessions, but this team has had the lead, and when you get up to 30, 31, 32, and they rank fourth um, – they're not throwing the ball 65% of the time. And and that, I think it really goes back to their strength, which is the offensive line and Sean Kugler. I'm glad you brought that up. James Conner asked about his individual success, pointing to the 12 rushing touchdowns, and he immediately went to the offensive line. Quote, there's been lanes for me, there's been openings. And then he talked about the ultimate team game, meaning it's not just the five offensive linemen, other wide receivers doing their jobs. If there's another running back on the football field, is he doing his job? But the offensive line and those five guys, and we've even seen up to seven, eight, nine different players on that offensive line, whether it's a Sean Harlow or a Josh Jones getting into the mix, this offensive line, it's not the – it's not the individual parts, but it's the sum of the parts on the football field, and that's where, yeah, you get the team success, maybe not so much the individual success, but I'll go out on a limb without talking to any of those offensive linemen. They'll all say, get me a win on Sunday versus get me a Pro Bowl nod or an all-pro nod. They want to win. Yeah, I mean, we always have talked about the Cardinals won't get the credit they deserve until they get an all-pro or a Pro Bowl player. Now, you know, some sites will have higher grades and some sites will have lower grades, but my eyes tell me Rodney Hudson's played well. And I'll tell you what, um, DJ Humphreys holds his own. We know this, even in this division alone, you got Andrew Whitworth, Dwayne Brown, and he's throwing Trent Williams. So to me, it's one of the top uh, divisions in football at left tackle. And then Calvin Beecham, he's been steady Eddie. And the fact that he does have some Pro Bowl votes, which is impressive, now 33% by the fans, 33% by the coaches, and then 33% by their peers. So, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, the Chiefs, when they were rolling in, in the, in the uh, Buccaneers last year, when they announce the Pro Bowl, those teams usually have four or five, six guys. And the reason why is because they win – and, and, and they're winning because not a one guy, it's a, it's, a, it's a collection. So if the Cardinals can continue to get the double digits, whether it's 12 or 13, they should have at least five Pro Bowl players, at least. Because you, de- you get you get you're rewarded for your success. Yeah. I mean, 
like I said, if you're a team like the Lions, God bless them. I'm sure they got a couple guys that are playing well, but they're not going to get three or four guys on the on the Pro Bowl. I mean, the Texans. I'm sure there's guys playing well. They I don't even know if they'll get any. So um, you only have a certain amount of spots. But when you're a team that's leading your division, or in this case, the best division, uh, best record in football, you deserve to get rewarded because you've put the work in, and now the fruits of the labor are your your schedule, or your teams you beat, excuse me, and your record. Bird Gang, if you want to help send Cardinals players to the Pro Bowl, go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote, NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. Vote early, vote often. Voting runs through December 16th. Send your favorite Cardinals player to the Pro Bowl, which is happening February 6th in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Real quick, MJ, just looking at some of the Bears' personnel defensively, we talked about them being in the bottom third as far as stopping the run. They are very good against the pass. They rank number eight as far as yards per game. They do get after the quarterback, 32 sacks, second most in the league. A big big reason why is linebacker Robert Quinn, who's got 11 sacks, which leads the NFC, tied with Nick Bosa, and does have pretty good numbers against the Arizona Cardinals, 11 sacks in 12 career games against Arizona. And that would have been with the Los Angeles Rams. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, Alec Oakletree's there, who also obviously played for the Rams. Uh, Roquan Smith's there, you know, former Cardinal Angel, Angelo Blackman. He's a backup. You know, I think that I, I don't think that, it, you know, their front four to me is, is I'm surprised that, you know, they're not able to stop the run as much. Um, but clearly when you can get pressure on the quarterback from guys like Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, even though he's, he's more of a tackling machine, he's more like Jordan Hicks. The secondary hasn't doesn't have to cover forever, and so you look at Eddie Jackson; he's a great player. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson Jr. and then Jay John Jalen Johnson. So, and they got Artie Burns back there. So, it's interesting that you know they're able to cover, but you know it comes to the run. So, if the Cardinals can get in third and short, then they'll have some options there. But you know, it's it's like anything else; you can't turn the ball over. You can't let Kyler Murray get hit and just protect the quarterback and you know try to win some one-on-one matches on the outside. Injuries have certainly affected the Bears defensively. Khalil Mack done for the season. Danny Trevathan done for the season with foot and ankle injuries respectively. And we'll keep an eye on Roquan Smith because he suffered a hamstring injury last week. Akeem Hicks did not play last week along the defensive line. So it is a banged-up Chicago Bears defensive front. Although they have had extra rest, they played on Thanksgiving, so they get that 10 days with which to rest and recuperate. And they're still very much alive in the NFC, even with a 4-7 and seven record. Some team is going to sneak up on somebody, and knock on wood, it's not the Arizona Cardinals. But this is the time a year ago in which everyone was burying the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They came out of the bye did not lose another game the rest of the season, including the postseason. Is there a team? Is it the 49ers, Washington, the Vikings, Falcons, Saints, even the Bears? Can a team turn things around here over these final six games or five games, depending on when these teams have their respective buys? But considering that seven seed, that final playoff spot, more teams are in the running, including the Chicago Bears. Uh, they are. 
And, you know, even though, you know, they're 14th overall, but a couple wins, they would get there with the Niners. Now the Niners right now are a playoff team. The the NFC West would have three playoff teams. Arizona's the number one seed, the Rams five, and and the Niners six. Washington's in the thick of things. Philadelphia's five and seven. Carolina's five and seven. New Orleans five and six. New Orleans plays on Thursday night football against the Cowboys. And Atlanta's still in it with the win last week. So it just seems like, the NFC's top heavy, and then you got a bunch of teams that are, you know, um, around 500. And then you, you look in the AFC, you got, you know, three teams with eight wins, three teams with seven wins, and then you got one. You almost have five to six teams with, with six wins. So, the, you know, you figure well, six and five, six and six, with as many games to go, you can get to nine or ten. And that's why these games each – game each of these games regardless of opponent become so critical so important even a team that might be three games under 500 like the Chicago Bears even though they're just one game out of a playoff spot yeah they got several teams to jump over but still they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves and if they can come away with a win over the Cardinals at home then who knows what that might mean for the rest of their season Cardinals have bigger goals in mind winning the West being that number one seed But I don't see this team, and you certainly don't hear it from them. Isaiah Simmons, among the players who addressed the media on Wednesday, as far as not overlooking the Bears, understanding what's at stake. Yeah, there's a big game on the other side of this, Monday Night Football against the Rams. But I do think with the amount of veterans in that locker room, they'll keep those young players honest as far as the immediate goal, and that is this week at Soldier Field, against the Chicago Bears. There's no doubt. And, again, we, we're looking ahead here just because it's after the bye week and we're trying to, you know, f- figure out three road, three home. They'll, they'll focus on the next game. But this is where they really want to hit the reset button and, and, and get all their guys back. And, you know, obviously they were able to win two out of three games with some of their starters. So this is where it all starts when you make that run in the second half of the season. And then, obviously, the, they're going to be judging what they do in the postseason. And we can afford, you and I. Yeah. The fan base, other media members, we can afford all of this talk. Those guys in the locker room, those coaches, yeah, no. And they won't. I mean, you know, I I think the only guy was was asked today was Jalen Thompson just about, you know, you're coming off the bye week, you got got six games to go. And he was the only guy that said, we know we got a big game next week. The the only guy. Now, not surprised, you know, he was asked a question – he was asked a question about six games. He said, we got to take care of business here. We know we got a big game next week. He didn't start talking about week 17 and 18. So I like the fact that they got tunnel vision and they're not going to bite the cheddar. Like, stay away from the rat poison. Week 13. <laughs> nice visual right there. Week 13, Cardinals at the Bears. Again, kickoff 11 a.m. Arizona time, 6.30 a.m. Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. It is, I guess you could say, Bears Week to some extent. Episode 9 of Cardinals Folktales. Thanks, Coach. Debuts Wednesday. The story of the Monday night meltdown, Dennis Green's epic rant following the Cardinals' loss to the Chicago Bears on Monday night football. I've gotten a sneak peek of this. It is very well done. Some things we know about, other aspects of that rant that we don't, i.e., was it premeditated? Again, youtube.com slash azcardinals for episode nine of Cardinals Folktales titled Thanks, Coach, looking back at the Monday night meltdown.
Now, Craig, you were you were covering the team, and and I think you mentioned that you were going to the visitors' locker room, which back in the day that was the right thing to do because it was a Monday night game, and we didn't know how it was going to transpire. So I was in the room when Denny came out. So you know he's asked a few different questions, and it was such an innocent question, but he you could see he was angry, he was upset, he was pissed off. You know I, I've seen him upset before. Uh, in different settings, maybe on the sidelines, just when they show him on TV. I did do sidelines. I was a sideline reporter his first year. So all of a sudden he comes in and you could tell he's upset and anyone would be upset with the way they lost that game. And I don't know if it was the fourth or fifth question, but it was an innocent question from uh, a writer that really doesn't cover the team. He was freelancing that night. Yep. And he asked him, what are your thoughts on Rex Grossman? And, you know, Rex Grossman had thrown four interceptions. And it didn't matter the innocent or just the, the question. He was ready to go off, and he went off. And 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 then fast forward, obviously, you know, Mark Dalton. He's he had a big part in this. You know, thanks, coach. And he ended the press conference. And then going into the locker room, I don't know. I don't know if the players can hear there because he 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 led into the team in in the locker room. He was upset. Okay. And when we go in the locker room, some of the guys had no idea. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's television there, and, and they're replaying it on ESPN over and over and over and over. And it was like every year when it happens, it's the ultimate meltdown. It was just interesting in that game, though, because the Cardinals, they should have won that game, but Denny got to a point where he was very conservative. He didn't want Matt Liner to throw the ball. And Keith Rowan was the coordinator. And so they ran the ball like, I mean, Brian Erlacher knew they were running the ball. I think he may have had 19 or 20 tackles. He had a lot. He had a lot. And Edge, poor Edge, he couldn't get out of, it was, get out of the way. He would not let Leonard throw the ball. He thought he could win on field goals. And then obviously the whole Devin Hester thing, um, Peanut, Peanut Tillman. But <clears throat> I'll never forget that night. I, I'm driving home and it's all over the radio. And it was just. <laughs> Bless his heart, man, because he had the one of the best drafts in Cardinals history. He, he was he, he beat it to his own drum, but I thought at the time he was the right hire and obviously drafting Larry Fitzgerald and, and getting Darnell Dock and Carlos Stansby and Antonio Smith. Uh, but in the end, it was it was time for him to, to obviously go. Again, Episode 9, Cardinals Folktales. Thanks, Coach, debuting on <laughs> Wednesday, the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash Cardinals plus the weekly original audio podcast that accompanies these Cardinals Folktales. Just search Cardinals Folktales at your favorite podcast provider. And just wait wait for Mark Dalton when he says thanks, Coach. I mean, it's, you can hear a pin drop. Very well done. Looking forward to it. <laughs> The behind the scenes, if you will, the lead up and the after aftermath of Monday Night Meltdown. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.